Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History, brought to you by the support of listeners like you. If you value this content, please become a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again to our supporters. Your support really means a lot to us. Writing and producing each episode takes quite a bit of time. And as we separate from StarQuest Production Network, we need your support more than ever. Yes, we've loved our time with SQPN. They are great people, friends, and we wish them great success. Setting off on our own, but it just gives us added flexibility and kind of opens up new possibilities. But it does bring with us with it some added expenses. So we're going to have to take on a lot of responsibilities for editing and production and dissemination. So, you know, some extra expenses there. Mm -hmm, exactly. We need to pay somebody to do those things for us now, um, which SQPN was providing for us before. By the way, I I at least might pop up on SQPN every now and then in the secrets of movies and TV shows. I've done a couple episodes with them. Maybe Tom will show up one day someplace yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? We'll hopefully still be working with them. But this is where... Uh, new costs that we have as we separate from SQPN. This is where you come in. Your support will make things like video content, like the audio editing that we need to do now on our own, the expanded merchandise selections that we that we have, and new items like the children's book we've been talking about for a few years now of uh, of doing. Well, your support will actually hopefully make that possible. Yeah, we are really excited about what this new chapter will bring, but it really is only possible with your support. So. Please find our support levels and the perks offered at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support, and then join us via Patreon or Locals. Also, thank you for the reviews you leave on Apple, and especially the five-star ratings. They help others find us. Yes. So, all that said, on with the show. Today, we're talking about the first missionary evangelist in Texas. But there's only one problem. She never actually visited Texas. Yeah, and I absolutely love this story of the lady in blue and the little twist at the end. It's, a, it's kind of a twist worthy of Paul Harvey saying, and now you know the rest of the story. I'm not even going to try and do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're um, let's not jump ahead to the rest of the story just yet. You know, I'm not. I'm just, you know, looking forward. But you're right. Let's take things in stages. This story really has enough incredible moments to just like last a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it has quite a few. So as you said, this first missionary to the natives in Texas was a European woman, but she never entered Texas. In fact, she never left Europe and she never even left Spain. Her name was Maria Coronel and she was born in a village north of Madrid in central Spain in 1602. She was a very pious young girl who experienced spiritual ecstasies from a young age and took a vow of chastity at eight years old. Now, that may seem impossibly young for a child to really understand what she's doing, but based on the rest of her life and the lives of her siblings and parents, it seems that the Coronel family had a, you know, a thing or two figured out. Yeah, really, because by the time that Maria was 12, she had decided to become a nun. Her parents initially decided to take her to a Carmelite monastery, but the following year, 1615, Maria's mother Catherine heard a voice while in prayer telling her that her family castle they were very well-to-do, should itself become a monastery, that she and her two daughters should become nuns, and her husband should follow their two sons into the Franciscan order. Kind of crazy. So by 1619, when Maria was 17 years old, all of this happened. 
Maria's father, Francis, became a lay brother with the Franciscans. Catherine, Maria, and her sister took the veil and made perpetual religious vows the following year in 1620. Maria took the name Maria de Jesus, and since their monastery was in the town of Agreda, she later became known as Maria de Jesus de Agreda. Maria's spiritual life intensified in the convent. She had experienced spiritual ecstasies as a child, and these continued. In fact, they became more pronounced and intense. She took on significant bodily penances. She slept only about two hours each night and would rise in the middle of the night to pray the way of the cross for three hours. She took only one meal each day and lived a life of pure obedience to God's will. Her ecstasies began to include trance-like states and levitation. She would rise off the ground and become so light that a slight breeze would blow her across the room. Now, her fellow nuns became very skeptical of her manifestations, and a priest was sent to investigate her behavior. He tested her in every way. He gave her tests of obedience and asked her pointed questions. At the end, he determined that her ecstasies were genuine and that she really was a model of Christian obedience. After that, her sisters warmed up to her. Eventually, in 1625, her monastery elected her abbess. But the Vatican had to give a special dispensation because she was not yet 25 years old. She held that position until her death in 1665. But let's go back to the decade of the 1620s. Yes, one of the supernatural abilities she began to manifest in 1620 was bilocation. Bilocation is the ability for a person to be physically in one place, but also to be in some way in another place at the same time. A number of saints have enjoyed this ability over the centuries. We actually talked in a previous episode about Padre Pio bilocating and flying during World War II, and more than a few American soldiers and airmen attested to seeing him do so. Well, Maria de Jesus de Agreda bilocated to west-central Texas, where the Humano people lived. Why there? Well, why not there? Well, maybe the Humano people were uniquely predisposed to accept the message of Christ. And since Spanish missionaries were not too far away by the 1620s, the Lord sent Sister Maria to catechize them. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, who knows why? But in 1620, Sister Maria began visiting the Humano people and telling them about Jesus and the Catholic faith. Interestingly, 1620 is also the year the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock over in Massachusetts. Yeah, and since there are no pure coincidences in the providence of God, that accident of timing is very interesting to me. It's kind of a, like, you know, God saying, well, here come the Protestants, so let's bolster the Catholic presence elsewhere on this continent. Yes, but also remember that Squanto had been evangelized and baptized by Spanish Franciscans. Without that Catholic intervention, Squanto may not have been able to help the pilgrims, and, well, they may have all died that first year. So the Catholic influence was more or less coast to coast before the pilgrims set foot on Plymouth Rock. It's kind of crazy. I know, it seriously is, but we're wandering. So That's right, right. Back to Sister Maria. Yes. So over the next 10 or so years, 1620 to about 1631, she made more than 500 visits, always appearing clad in a brilliant blue cloak. In her apparitions to the Humanos, she would tend to the sick, comfort the afflicted, and teach them about Christ. This bilocation was not just as a floating figure imparting a message— she walked among them and in some ways had physical interaction with them. Yeah, we don't understand it. It violates the laws of physics as we know them. 
But our faith tells us that God can do all things, including intervene in the created order. I mean, that's kind of the definition of a miracle, actually. Right. And we know from Scripture that Christ, after his resurrection, was able to pass into and out of rooms without opening a door. Sure. And Jesus' glorified body, as we call it, was not bound by earthly conventions. Think also of what we believe of the real presence in the Eucharist. Well, if a person achieves sanctity in this life, Who's to say they will not merit some qualities of the glorified body? We believe that the Blessed Mother was assumed bodily into heaven and that she has appeared multiple times since then. Like at Guadalupe in 1531, when she arranged the roses in the tilma of Juan Diego and tied it up so that his bishop should get the sign. Absolutely. And what a wonderful miracle that was. And also, you know, we mentioned Padre Pio before. At least one of the American airmen who reported seeing a flying monk up in the clouds during World War II reported not only seeing him, but reported that Padre Pio actually caught him in midair and set him safely on the ground when his parachute failed to deploy. So bilocation is a great mystery to us, but that's because our vision is still dim and limited. In the view of God and those who come to know him best, the material world is a much more complex but simple thing. And that, apparently, is what we're seeing in Maria de Jesus de Agreda. In 1631, 100 years after the apparitions in Guadalupe, Sister Maria exhorted the Humanos to send a delegation to the Isleta Pueblo in New Mexico, where they would find brown robes or Franciscan missionaries. Those missionaries would come and baptize the Humanos. She told them to bring with them a cross covered in wildflowers as a sign of their faith. So a dozen set out from near present-day San Angelo, Texas, near the confluence of the Concho River, to walk the 500 miles over harsh desert to Isleta Pueblo, which is about 13 miles south of present-day Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, the Franciscans had been in Isleta since 1613, but they had never ventured as far east as modern-day Texas. They'd had a hard enough time evangelizing the local natives and keeping the royal authorities from exploiting those local natives. Also, if you've never been to that part of the country, it is hauntingly beautiful, but it's just not hospitable to human travel. So the Franciscans were content to just stick to the Isleta mission and its immediate surroundings for the time being. But the Jimenos did not have the luxury of staying put. The Lady in Blue bid them go, and they desired baptism in the Eucharist, so they braved the dangerous trek. You can imagine the surprise, perhaps even fear, that the Franciscans at Isleta felt when these Jimenos appeared out of the desert, professing a well-developed knowledge of Catholic doctrine and asking for baptism. How did they know the faith? Did the French, who were already settling along the Mississippi River, somehow get into that region first? Well, the Jimenos explained about the Lady in Blue. And the Franciscans, shocked as they were, eventually accepted the reality of the situation. A group of priests led by Fray Alonso Benavides returned to the Concho River site with them, where, in the Concho River, 2,000 Humanos were examined and baptized in the following weeks. The Franciscans went about establishing a mission there, though Fray Alonso did not remain. No, Fray Alonso returned to Isleta and then back to Mexico City and then across the ocean back to Spain, where he sought out the woman whom the natives described. Fray Alonso had heard about the ecstasies and trance-like states of Sister Maria, and he was on a mission to find out if she were the one that they were experiencing. He finally came to the monastery in Agreda and was able to interview Sister Maria. 
In short order, Frey Alonso became convinced that she was the Lady in Blue. She had an intimate knowledge of the landscape of the region. She even made tapestries that depicted plants distinctive to the region. She also had an intimate knowledge of the ways and customs of the people and described very particular characteristics of the Himano chiefs who had traveled to Isleta. Also, as he learned, a blue cloak was part of the habit worn by this order when they went outside. He asked her how she came to know the language spoken by the Humano, and she replied simply that she did not know it. She spoke in Spanish, and they understood. Likewise, they did not know Spanish, but she understood them perfectly. Well, if God was arranging a physical meeting of people who were more than 5,000 miles apart, I don't think he'd overlook the language barrier. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but, you know, even Zoom can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Zoom. Well, I mean, I suppose you could say it's kind of like a Zoom meeting with an auto-translate feature. But there was another awesome feature of her meeting that Zoom can't replicate, and that's the stunning final event. Right. So when Fray Alonso told Sister Maria that the Franciscans had taken up a mission with the Humanos, Sister Maria sighed contentedly and said, Now my mission with my beloved Humanos is completed. And that was the end of her bilocating to them. But her final apparition to them was not without a dramatic ending. And this is where you cue the Paul Harvey dramatic reading. Imagine me saying this in his voice, because I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to try it, but, you know, it might slip in. I'm not even going to try to say the words correct. It might slip in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, as she said her farewells and turned to go, she walked off into the countryside. And legend has it that wherever her long blue cloak touched the ground, lovely blue flowers sprung up. And this was the beginning of the Texas Bluebells. And now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) Really showing my age there. (laughs) Anyhow. You know, not bad. Okay. (laughs) But we're not quite done just yet. Sister Maria de Jesus de Agreda died in 1665. She was buried, but eventually exhumed as part of the investigation into her possible canonization, and her body was found to be incorrupt. She is now venerable, and the cause for her beatification is in process. Her body is interred in a glass sarcophagus in the chapel of her monastery. The city of San Angelo, Texas, has long been aware of this deep Catholic history, and in 2018, a beautiful set of bronze statues was unveiled along the city's river walk there along the Concho River. One of the statues depicts Sister Maria clad in a stunning blue cloak, handing a cross to a young Humano girl. Nearby, a figure of a Humano hunter watches on. The statues were blessed by the Bishop of San Angelo in a ceremony also attended by the Bishop Emeritus, a delegate from the Vatican who was looking into Sister Maria's canonization cause, and a large number of people of Humano descent, plus local civic officials, including the mayor. Since then, the area around the statues has been beautified with a garden and a wall with an archway. Also within the last few years, a documentary called The Needle and the Thread was produced and released chronicling the work of the Lady in Blue. The producers of The Needle and the Thread hope that their work will help to promote and spread knowledge of and devotion to Sister Maria and will help advance her canonization cause. 
Hopefully, one day soon, the church will recognize that Maria de Jesus de Agrida, the Spanish nun and original missionary to Texas, will be known as Saint. This has been American Catholic History. If you enjoy American Catholic History, please become a supporter. Help us take the next steps with great new material. Get information on how to become a supporter and the perks at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter. Check out our merch, learn about the Lady in Blue, plus see about our pilgrimages, like next year we're going to Wisconsin and maybe back to Kentucky, and find other great stories from American Catholic History. We also love the great reviews our listeners leave. Those and the five-star ratings help others find us. You can also email us feedback, questions, tips for episode topics, and other comments at feedback at AmericanCatholicHistory.org. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash AmericanCatholicHistory, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at ACH1513. I'm Noel Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, made possible by listeners like you. So when Frau when Frau Frau Alonso!